Welcome to the Pulse by Apaleo, the voice of hospitality tech leaders, the podcast where we invite an expert from Apaleo's community of thought leaders to share their story about the freedom to create, bringing together different perspectives, varied technical knowledge, and backgrounds in all areas of the accommodation business. Along with a new and exciting thought leader, we will invite one of 14 Apaleo founders to join in each episode. I'm your host, Alicia. This week, we have Apaleo co-founder Uli Pillau and Michael Leve, founding partner and head of operations at Citizen M Hotels. Join us for this episode, where Michael and Uli will discuss brand DNA, shared company values, and why ditching your old PMS system is a great path forward. Michael, thank you so much for joining Uli and I today. Just to get started, why do you think branding is so important to the modern guest and how can a company really set themselves apart, especially as we will hopefully start to phase out of COVID? Yeah, I think that um, the company image, the company branding is everything, right? It is uh, basically your business card into the world and um, a name itself um, has little value, a name that is loaded with emotion that has a relationship with its clients and its users is a whole different thing. So um, I could uh, name you uh, several brands that don't mean anything to you and other brands all of a sudden have a complete relationship with you. So yeah, brand is important, but we need to be realistic that uh, the brand can have an image, can have a, a, a face, if you wish. It can have a story, and that's how companies portray themselves into the industry. But its true DNA, its values, are carried by the people that run the company and the people that represent the company. And um, I think that only then does a brand or a, a relationship with a certain service or product becomes a reality. So it is that DNA or that value that needs to be shared by all its members. And I think that unfortunately, a lot of companies um, do not have uh, the fortune of having 100% alignment within the values of all the teams and individuals representing them. And those companies that have that alignment, yeah, then it becomes very clear. So I can give you a, a simple example. You walk into an Apple store, there is somebody in a, a two euro uh, 50 uh, t-shirt with an Apple logo on it, but they carry out the uh, insane philosophy and values of the company. And actually, as they are hired, uh, there is only one question that is asked and is, how do you feel about Apple? And if they're not as insanely aligned, it doesn't work. Disney, another good example. So I think it is the people that represent a brand that make the difference. At Citizen M, we realize that um, it is our line staff that services guests every day that really make the difference. They are the ones that are carrying out our values and that's where the rubber meets the road, right? As they say. And um, I then figured when we started the company, how do I envision this service to come across? What, what is the essence of that service? And then as we set that service as an ideal, we work back from that ideal and created the job descriptions 
the type of candidates that we would need for that job. And ultimately, in hiring them, we realized that we were hiring ambassadors to the brand. Because if you walk into a hotel, they are the brand. That's it. So uh, they are called ambassadors. They function is a variety of functions that normally deal with uh, front desk or food service in other hotels. But with us, they are there to be accountable and fully responsible for the guest satisfaction. And the rest of the organization supports them. So you see that we as organizations have uh, an opportunity to create a culture, create that through the people, and we can set up a process in order to support that. And we chose for an inverted pyramid whereby the ambassador are at top of our inverted pyramid, rest of the organization services up, they support them. But at the offices, we use holacracy where there is not a straight hierarchy, but where we, like many uh, tech companies, uh, create relevant circles of people that need to work and represent the different disciplines. So culture, people, process are, I think, as important or as essential as what branding visually looks at, because that is only what you meet the first time. The second time you need to have a relationship. And so, so Michael, if I remember um, the early days, you told me what you had in mind, both in terms of the product and, and the brand, but also in terms of the people. And I think you have done a great job there realizing what you really had in mind. It took you some time most probably to learn it and get used to it and get everybody used to it. Uh, but essentially, you have done a very good job. How comes that kind of over 10 years later, still in hotel industry, there are very few brands that follow that direction and do the same thing with you being so successful? Because if I really think about it, Only a very few brands have that same DNA you have established with the people and creating a great team. Uh, Uli, what the industry is doing or not, I, I cannot answer to. Uh, but uh, I think that a lot of people that uh, entered Citizen M or uh, look at products sort of take a mental picture. So they try to create uh, the living rooms or the type of environments that we have created. Uh, we're very good. Um, with uh, uh, architecturally, uh, with our styling, with our art, with our music, with our scent, with, our, with creating the base. And I think that a lot of companies have tried to, um, you know, do similar type of things. Uh, I'm not sure if they're copying us or whether it is a trend, doesn't matter. But where I think the difference lies indeed is that relationship with the brand, the service. And nobody has concentrated on the service delivery. So they left the employee, if you wish, uh, similarly in a, a top-down hierarchy where somebody uh, thousands of miles away from them decides uh, how you greet somebody, how you treat somebody. And we know that uh, human beings like to be treated like human beings. And uh, obviously there are different etiquettes at different levels of services. But it all boils down to that success lies in the embodiment of a relationship. And that needs to be genuine. So if somebody says, did you have a nice trip, sir? Or did you have a nice trip, ma'am? 
and that is sort of a sentence that they need to use. Humans can spot that on 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 a on ten miles distance, right? So if somebody gives you a genuine smile and sort of nods to you, I'll be right with you. Yeah, that's genuine. They know that I'm waiting. We really focused on that human interaction, and if you make the uh, ambassador or the line staff and responsible for guest satisfaction, you measure it, you make them part of it, you give them tools to influence it, you have a dialogue with them, yeah, they become very interested. And I think that the most important thing is, is that we know our own personal relationships. And usually we have relationships with people that have the same values as we do. So, you know, not to bring in the political scheme, but, you know, that is as far as you know, away from your shared values as can be sometimes in different different parties. But if you look in your environment, you usually deal with people and you want to be with people that share values. And um, yeah, my theory is, is that if you share values 85% or better, yeah, then you might have a disagreement or look at something differently, but it doesn't affect your your essential relationship. And that's how we uh, basically higher at Citizen M, we ensure that everybody joining uh, the company for 85% or better um, is overlapping with the company's values. Yeah, then it becomes easy, then everybody can carry it out. So it withstands time, it withstands distance, it can be carried. And I think you have heard of the term institutionalization. And institutionalization is really when the values that were uh, portrayed or started by the founders are sort of vested in the structure of the organization. So Walt Disney uh, has passed 85, 90 years ago, yet today people only add to his dream. People do not change or take away from his dream. And that's what what I think is the difference. Very interesting. I mean, uh, we as tech startups, for us, people is everything. I mean, we we share that vision you have. Um, and obviously, in the tech industry, it's a little bit different. Um, but without the people, we couldn't create the products we are bringing onto the market. And we, we couldn't work with the customers and everything. So for us, the people are everything. And we've gone away from this hier- hierarchy thing. Um, so really, the, the way we run our companies is completely different. However, in the in the, in the hotel industry overall, um, you're still used to a few things. One of them is really that you have uh, kind of department heads and bosses and uh, managing directors and directors and general managers all over the place. And the employees um, are, are not rather equal part of the team, but more normal employees as they were always in hotel history in the past. And the second thing is when you look at how um, t- you typically arrive at a hotel, um, you you stand in line at the reception, and the people don't really interact with you. They interact with your co- with their computer in order to check you in and register your credit card and yeah. do a, a million of things without really um, having an interaction and a re- building up a relationship with the guests. So so how do you suggest the hotels should come around this issue? Well, what you're describing, Uli, are business processes. So uh, business processes uh, can change over time if you decide to change them. 
And uh, I think that uh, we as an industry, unfortunately, are not overly educated. So on average, I would say that the people serving in our industry um, have no specific uh, academic credentials. Um, when you get a little bit higher up in the organization, you see that at maybe general manager's level or within corporate responsibility, you start to see some hotel school graduates and bachelor degrees. Um, and here and there, you might run into a, a master degree student. But uh, by and large, I think we're an industry that people end up by default. So you're studying, you have a little job on the site and the studies don't go that well and you end up working a little bit more, the money is decent. All of a sudden we have become hoteliers and fast forward 20 or 30 years and what we see is that these people have grown, but they have grown from an experience point of view. So what they project forward is what they have learned by experience from the past. And academics can set new goals think of new uh, business processes, they can be innovative about things. And I'm not saying that uh, somebody that learned through uh, a practical experience cannot do that, but it is not a natural uh, process or it is not a process that they are accustomed to or used to work with. So what you see by and large in the industry is that when we do something new towards the future, it's usually based on experience from the past. So it's sort of like um, driving your car forward, looking in the rearview mirror. That's never a very good thing because, you know, maybe to the future we should decide what we want to do. And I think that, that it's that inability that uh, cripples our industry a little bit from under education and from the process we're in. What we have seen is in certain disciplines that we needed to uh, not evolve, but we needed to innovate again. We needed to move forward because a guest today looks at their smartphone and basically has their, their, the world in their, in their palm of the hand, right? And uh, they are used to all kinds of things that hotels cannot deliver anymore. So all of a sudden, we were forced to make a quantum leap and have started to look at specialists from other industries to help us. And uh, you see in certain verticals, and technology is definitely one of them where we have to focus very hard, but you see it also in branding or in learning and development in certain specifics. You see now an influx of uh, executives from other industries with a more broad education and specified knowledge carrying these duties. And you see that at corporate level, and obviously at hotel level, that's much more difficult because the expenses associated or the visions associated does not always carry. So I think that there is a movement, there is migration, but I think that that's why um, over the next couple of months, I'm going to dedicate uh, some of my personal time to continued education. And the continued education being, uh, let's say, a week-long program a curriculum that touches upon some specifics. And uh, uh, Uli, you remember a couple of years ago um, with Snapshot, with David Turnbull, we created a week-long curriculum on distribution. Right. And uh, actually that curriculum is taught by several uh, of the leading universities in the world. 
And that curriculum was created by, I remember, some 20 specialists out of the industry. And uh, we had some of them actually teach the curriculum as well. And Mm -hmm. what I want to do is take five topics and sort of reactivate these topics and bring a week-long curriculum that is available to everybody. Make it available to universities, make it available to associations, provide the courses on a regular basis ourselves so that uh, there are some contemporary needs in our industry being addressed. And the five topics um, are, again, uh, distribution or the commercial side, because it's not anymore just uh, distribution or revenue management. It is the whole relooking at uh, the commercial activities of an organization. Uh, The second one will be more focused on ESG because environmental, social and governance um, is something that our uh, sustainability needs to come to the foreground. And sustainability is not uh, putting in a lead bulb and getting a green key certification. Um, It's much more. It lives throughout our organization and it needs to live in every department. So sustainability, or the way I call it, ESG, is another curriculum that we will put together. A third one, and I think uh, closer to your heart, um, is uh, technology and digital. Because I think that uh, a lot of the post-COVID focus lies on digital relationships with our customers. And what uh, most hoteliers have problem with is that they can here and there do some, let's say, digital activity. But because the guest profile is not supported by their technology, they do not necessarily have that uh, ability to have the technology and all information in their systems serve to provide uh, a CRISPR digital journey. So technology, architecture, what is a, a guest profile? What is a system of records? How do we go by that? And Ultimately, how do we deal with that uh, digital uh, responsibility we now have is a curriculum. And then there are two that are uh, a little bit more abstract. Uh, One deals with purpose, brand, and commerce. So what is the purpose of my organization? How do I express that in brands? And, And how does that have a commercial relationship? So it's not the actual commerce, but how do I activate that into uh, the target audience? And then the last one is culture, people, and process. Where process, your choice, do I work with a top-down pyramid? Do I work with an inverted pyramid, work with holacracy? Where does contemporary success sit? And what do we choose for? And I think that if you look at those different examples, and you start to go back to your initial question is how do you influence business processes? You need to know a little bit more what it is that you're doing. And only then can you choose new business processes and, and make them reality. Understand. I mean, that, that's actually a very interesting um, perspective. Um, I mean, we've brought uh, in here at our Apaleo offices in Munich, we've brought together people from 
15 different nationalities. Um, with 30 people, 15 different nationalities. Because what we were trying to do is find the best people in which we need to build up such a successful startup. Um, and we've pulled them together from all over the world. Now, um, we've obviously only one office where we need to do this, but you have tons of different locations. You have US, you have Asia, you have Europe, um, you have your corporate head offices and so on. So how do you find your, your people that, that have the right DNA for what you're looking to do. Because we know from our perspective, that's a very, very challenging topic to identify and hire the right people and then bring them on board. Well, there, there, it's a very good question because that's, I think, where some of the key of success lies. So first of all, you need to have your own values very, very clearly defined. So your company values. And uh, you will be amazed because I think the majority of the companies have let's say client or guest values and then employee values and i never understood how that works because if they're not one and the same then you need to switch values halfway through the day i don't know how that works <laughs> it's already a contradiction in terms that most organizations are set up like that so i think that you can only have one soul you have one way of being and you have one set of values and you don't deviate from those values uh, if times are good or bad. You stick to those values. So that's one. So articulate them, make them clear, and know who your, what your values are. And now you need to start looking at the audience that you're looking for. So in our hotels, we're obviously looking for a different employee than in our support offices. In our support offices, it is by vertical, it's by specialization, it's by knowledge. So I look there for credentials that deal with specific knowledge. So if I want you to be in brand or if I want you to be in technology, I want you to have specific trademarks, education, knowledge that can produce. Whereas when you're in the hotels, guest satisfaction is my only measure. So I look for different things. So in the hotels, uh, we have created casting days. And these casting days are a set of workshops that we do with pre-selected applicants. And through these workshops, we see the true characteristics of the individual. And if you see people, uh, you know, unaware of uh, a hiring or an interview process participating in workshops, you get to get closer to getting it right. And I think that over time, uh, I would say that uh, 90, 95% were able to pick those people with the right values. And obviously you have a conversation with them, but you get very close. And the funny thing is that once that culture is alive on the work floor and 95% or 90% of your employees have a certain value in the culture and somebody does not fit in, the person leaves by themselves. So it is a majority game there. So that's how we're able to around the world create exactly the same teams. So if you check in in Seattle, in Paris, or in, in Taipei, you get exactly the same citizen M service. And people are amazed, but it is actually very simple because if your values are the same, people trust me are the same. It's just the way of selecting. Back for a moment to the sport offices. If you have selected the best of class of a knowledge base or a educational background that you need, then it becomes very important to make sure that they fit in the team. 
And I think that that's what you guys have done at Apaleo right now is you look for credentials, but you also look for whether they fit in the team. So what we do is whoever is responsible for that particular job with a job description and very stringent focus come up with the final applicant. And the final applicant gets interviewed by four random people at the sport office. It could be anybody. And the only check there is whether we like them or not. And if we like them, then we're good to go. And if we don't like them, they should definitely go somewhere else with all their knowledge because that knowledge will never come to fruition in the organization if people do not gravitate to each other. So it are the most simple things. And uh, uh, Uli, you, you mentioned that the industry sometimes looks at CitizenM, what you guys have done, and they ask me. And uh, I, I tell them, I said, well, the secret to our successes were nice. They go like, no, 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 no. But tell me the really truth. Tell me what is it that you do? I said, well, we're, we're nice. Really, that's the secret. We're really nice. No, no, that cannot be it. But in a way, I, I maybe express it too simplistic and, and, and make a little fun of it. But in essence, that's really what it's all about. We are kind people that are genuine, that will treat you with respect. We do not put up with any nonsense. So um, uh, our ambassadors know that if somebody is inappropriate, it's our house. And uh, actually, it's their house. And if you don't like somebody, you tell them to leave your house. And they're perfectly empowered to do. And uh, so we introduced the word no as well into the organization, which works. And if you're end responsible and accountable, and you decide no, then yeah, we have to respect that and we can only support that. So it takes more behind the scenes as you hear, but in essence, it starts out knowing who do you want to be. Yeah, and, and actually that's exactly the way we are looking at these things in a different industry though, but for us, it's, it's the same procedures and the same processes we have. However, one thing I really believe is that if, if you're building up such a company as you do or as we are doing, um, I, I think you have to live your values. What I want to say with this, I mean, we have known each other for 20, 25. I don't even remember for how many years now. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty old already. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm right with you. <laughs> um, but but one thing I always um, saw with you and, and the team of Citizen M is it's not only the way you run the business and, and you operate the company and you build up the company, it's also how you act personally. And I think if you want to have credibility with the team and the people you're building and, and, and putting together, then you really need to live it in your personal life as well. And, and the way you have respect for each other and the way um, you you live your values. I think for me, that's a very important piece um, of, of making uh, it realistic in the business, on the business side as well. Yeah, I, I think, Uli, that uh, uh, shared values uh, does that, right? Uh, but uh, there is something like passion, empathy, ability to connect, knowing how to sort of uh, engage, uh, timing. So th there, there is certain elements that the same value still can be carried out differently. And often what you see is with founders or people that have a brilliant idea and are bringing it into the world, they have that little extra charisma, they have that little extra passion 
that uh, sort of emphasizes uh, uh, all those values and sort of turbo boost them maybe a little bit more. But uh, it is that uh, ability to ability to connect to those values for others and to feel that warmth and to feel that energy that flows from that that makes them loyal and that is where the difference sits and uh, so if it is not carried by uh, the people that emerged and started yeah it will never go anywhere that's for sure so so i mean there are many examples in that company where people have started to build in, in that industry where people have started to build up new hotel brands and some of them i really like very much innovative ones tech driven hotels um lots of people from outside the industry that started to develop their brands but when i look at the major um, hotel companies in that industry they have all tried to build up lifestyle brands but um pretty much none of them was really ever able to to implement this dna um you were living with citizen m yeah. now for example um i have a lot of respect for 25 hours and what the guys did there it's a, it's different from what you are doing but still they have a very clear brand and i like the hotels very much so mm -hmm. what what would you think will happen now that our core takes them over completely will our core be able to continue running that brand and developing successfully or, or will that change well it has several angles uh, i think first of all that sebastian bazin is um, most probably one of the most brilliant uh, leaders in our industry today so he has taken a core and sort of re-energized it uh, in in many different ways obviously from a financial and investment background he's doing uh, intuitively a lot of things incredibly well and he very clearly understands uh, in moving a large organization it needs to be done a person at the time and he has no time or no ability to influence everybody so he has taken on different brands he has taken on individuals that i know that are really uh, embodying those very value related issues that we're talking about and he's trying to go back to uh, you know the essence where uh, Paul de Brul and and Pelisson uh, started this this essence of the service in the company what happens however if you bring in brilliance like uh, mama shelter if you bring in brilliance like 25 hours they all have a lifestyle component but all their values are slightly different and it lives everywhere slightly different so to make a common denominator out of that is is no easy task i think that uh, crystal winkelman and and his team have done an unbelievable job in order to create uh, 25 hours with a soul and with a ability for employees to really understand what it is that they need to carry out but they every time need to create a a new entity and they every time need to have it sit well in its local environment and adjust so our product with citizen m is uh, maybe more uh, a cookie cutter product uh, when it comes to what we create but it uh, sort of delivers to a frequent traveler that shows up in all those locations so although we localize a little bit the values 
remain the same and the values to the guests that they're looking for are the same. And that is maybe a little bit more difficult with some of the lifestyle brands and then doing it in volume or doing it as big as an Accor is doing it and getting the same uh, essence across. Um, by and large, I think that in our industry, there are very few brands. So if you really think of brands, Google, Tesla, uh, Apple, the, the brands that we all yell out, but if you look at different uh, industries, we specifically have relationships with brands, uh, Coca-Cola, uh, you know, I mentioned Disney. So those are, those, that is, Mickey Mouse is, is a brand, right, that lives with you throughout your life. Tell me how many true hotel brands are there? Very few, very, very few. And um, Ratan uh, Chada, founding partner uh, of, of Citizen M. And um, yeah, he, he always said, listen, it takes a lifetime to build a brand. Why? Because it's a relationship. It lives with people. And that is, I think, where the industry goes wrong. We create a logo and a name. Yip de doo, we got a brand. And that's not it. So a brand is not only physical, it's not only what you put on, it is it is who you are. And that is that is uh, where the essence maybe goes wrong a little bit. Absolutely. Um that's that's very uh, very crucial part of it. I, I totally agree. Um and, and in hotel industry, I mean one thing we see now due to the crisis is that a lot of hotels and hotel groups around the world are being forced to change the strategy. Um just because the situation is not the same anymore. It has been splendid times over 10 years and everybody, if they were capable, were making a lot of money. Um, some have made less money and are in deeper trouble right now. So we see all kinds of things happening. However, the pressure on the in entire industry is there now. Now, what we see in, for example, here in Germany, a few of the bigger account accounts we are working with, which are, despite the crisis, very, very successful in how they expand and run their business. Examples would be Lime Home, uh, Cozy Hospitality, or Stayery, and, and some of these examples. They run or build up accommodation businesses in a more hybrid way, more dynamic, and different from the traditional hotel business. And with this, they are hugely successful even during Corona. Um, do you see worldwide, speaking worldwide, which brands or, or new accommodation businesses do you see which are changing the industry? Is it still Airbnb and the likes? Um, or do you see also some new brands popping up where you say, yes, these guys are doing the right things, maybe different from what we are doing, but this is really bringing success to the industry? Yeah, I, I think that, um, first of all, let's take a look a little bit at where we are in 2019, what the impact of COVID is and what the opportunities are in this darkest day uh, moving forward. So you mentioned in 2019, yeah, I mean, if during that time you were not making money, then there was something seriously wrong because all mm -hmm. indicators were on full steam ahead and everybody was, uh, you know, uh, flying high. I think that the the abruptness about uh, COVID and the standstill that we're in, yeah, is devastating. And it's taking a long time, right? So those companies that were not well-funded, those companies that were not well-structured, uh, they have gone under. 
So uh, it, it is estimated right now, and I don't know if those numbers are right, but that during the height of the uh, COVID closure of hotels, that uh, you know about 70% of the worldwide hotel inventory was closed at one point. And it is estimated that 50% of that will not reopen. So it needs to be recapitalized, uh, different um, purpose found for the assets. And by and large, the hotel industry remains very asset heavy or a, a very expensive industry to be in because it's a real estate game. And there are companies that have found a, a different way to bring real estate to bear. And real estate maybe not at its real estate value, but at its moment in time value. So Airbnb, uh, the overnight cost is not in relationship to the value of an apartment, but is in relation to the owner not using it and generating some cash out of it. It's a whole different ballgame, right? So it's not a direct return on the asset value. And that's why I think you see certain uh, companies successful in taking real estate and finding it and utilizing it in a different way. Um, those companies will continue to be successful, but it's also very difficult because uh, regulation, safety, um, countries deal with it differently. So you're dependent on a lot of other things that could be influenced also very quickly. So as quick as, the, as it came, it could also be gone. So still, if you want to have full control, you own and operate, and it is, it is your game, right? And if not, you have a lot of dependencies. So I think that in the darkest hour where we as an industry are at a very low point, we now also see that there's a lot of opportunity because the recapitalization and the repurposing of, of units uh, gives also a, uh, you know, a clean slate. It's, again, a white piece of paper, and let's see what we want to create. So there's a lot of opportunity as well, but I think we need to be more sophisticated. Back to those business processes that you spoke about earlier, we need to really have a clear definition of what it is that we want to achieve and how many dependencies uh, we want. And if there's one thing that has shown during this uh, pandemic that is very difficult for the large hotel chains, their uh, dependency has always been the ownership groups or the owners of the properties. So the brand comes to life only on the investment of the owners. And the owners at this point have uh, taken the full hit, if you wish, on the impact of the uh, uh, pandemic. And they are a little bit less appreciative uh, maybe to the brands for not being able to do anything. Because even if you take less uh, percentage of a management or a franchise contract, yeah, less over no revenue, yeah, that's an easy one. I think that you need to see it in dependency, real estate value, and what other opportunities we can create. And people are very innovative and definitely under pressure with scarcity, uh, people become, uh, you know, the best in innovating. So that's what you see right now. 
Yeah, and I think uh, Alicia will ask you, wants to ask you a question as well on technology side, because for us, that's obviously a very important part of, of what's going on and happening right now. I mean, what we see is that the, the clients and the chains we are working with, the most successful that also kept open during the entire crisis period are the ones that are tech driven. So, uh, Alicia, why don't you go ahead and, and ask um, uh, your question now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one thing a lot of our listeners can, I think, really get a takeaway is just how important the team, the culture and the values are for a really good guest connection. But how does that play hand in hand with technology platforms along with allowing for better control and better opportunity? So technology actually is a good example of what has overcome to this industry. And I use overcome as a, a, a purposeful word. Uh, because um, we as an industry were dependent on uh, technology to come up with various solutions for us, where we as an industry are not very capable of articulating what our needs are and describing what processes we need uh, solutions for. And the end result has been is that like the airlines that sell a chair, we started to sell a room. And all systems, uh, inventory and everything that we were doing uh, with our main system, the property management system, were all, uh, you know, geared around uh, a room inventory and the room was centric. So I, as an individual, when I check in, I get assigned to room 201. But it is not me, the individual, Michael Levy, that has a relationship with the company, but it is room 201 that just happens to get Michael Levy today and tomorrow Uli Pilau, right? So uh, we call that a room-centric approach. And uh, I think that if you look at anything happening on social media, on digital, uh, it's all about an individual and a relationship with an individual. So a profile of an individual is the most valuable uh, asset. So if you can look at uh, uh, the large companies that are gathering all kinds of information about us, it's not necessarily that they want to invade our privacy. Uh, what they want to do is they want to enrich our profiles to the extent that they can be predictive of what it is that we need. And when they can become predictive of what we need, they can serve us up. Uh, product that aligns. Now, automotive have done that already, a little uh, old BMW. And when you start your family, you get into the BMW 1, they keep track of you and they say, okay, listen, if your age is 25 or 28 and you get into your first BMW 1 and it is new, then their statistics tell them that uh, by 33, you have a family, you have one child and a dog and you need a BMW station wagon. Mm -hmm. And by um, age uh, 40, they say, hey, he has made some career. He's going to step up to a larger station wagon. And they know that by age uh, 50, they say they're sick and tired of this goddamn station wagon. He wants a two-seater and, uh, you know, it's convertible even better. And the later stage, they want you to have a midlife crisis and get into something more uh, exotic. As this type of uh, relationship that brands can build, and it's this type of digital awareness that people are trying to now build on steroids so much faster. So to every night when you get in the car and you drive home, Google pops up um, 20 minutes to home, 
traffic is soft. You go like, what? I didn't ask for that information. That's very useful. And now you call home and you say, honey, 20 minutes, right? It's a different ballgame. We as an industry are not capable of delivering any of that. Mm -hmm. Why? Because a room-centric system that has interfaces to other reliable sources of information that are transactional, so interfaces are only focused on the transaction that they need to deliver. Uh, take a room key. From that day to that day, this individual, that, that door key. That's all it does. But what it doesn't do, it doesn't collect data about me. So if I have a guest-centric technology architecture, now all of a sudden I can see on check-in what time I check in, what time of the day I have certain light settings in my room. Why? Keep track of that over time if the systems communicate. So all of a sudden I could enrich a profile in many, many ways that could be very useful in the digital age. So before we get to digital, we need to have a better understanding of our architecture. And uh, I think that, uh, yeah, Uli, you know, most probably the percentage better, but 98% of our industry is stuck into property management systems that are room-centric, and there is no free flow of information, no open source of data. Very cool. I mean, this is this is a, a kind of a good final statement. Um, I, I think I totally agree with you. I think um, PMSs have been there for the past 20, 30, 40 years. They have failed in that area completely. Um, and so today the strategy actually needs to change, I feel. So the entire accommodation industry needs to go away from being PMS-centric, but really look at the customer and, and use other ways of putting the customer in front um, and just be the PMS, kind of a small app acting on the customer profile. And, and, and this direction is something which I very much support. And I think that will be the future at some point. I think that, uh, Uli, what the industry maybe is trying to do now with uh, CDP, with uh, the consumer data platforms, they are trying to sort of extract out of all the systems data that is relevant and trying to make uh, you know sense out of it. The problem will always be how do I activate that back into all those systems? So an open source architecture and ability to have systems communicate with each other is of the most essence. And I think that there are great initiatives, Baleo being in the lead. Uh, there are other uh, middleware that is available uh, right now. Also in the upper tier, there is some work being done, but the essence lies in how reliable is my guest profile? Do I know for 98, 99% certain that I'm talking to the right person? because then I can have a relationship with them. Uh, the industry at best, and uh, maybe a shocking percentage, I think we are well south of 50% of reliable customer data. Yep. Most probably it sits more in, 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 the, in the 30s. But um, you know, I think that unless we make that switch, uh, <clears throat> we will never get there. Perfect. I just want to thank you again so much for for talking with Uli and myself today and giving us all your valuable knowledge that you, you had in just less than an hour's worth of time. Sure, no problem, pleasure. 
Thanks for joining us this time on the Pulse by Apaleo, the voice of hospitality tech leaders. If you're interested in getting to know more about the education program from Michael Lieve, make sure to follow him on LinkedIn, where you will find more information in the year to come. If you enjoyed this episode, click the subscribe button to get the newest podcast episodes from your friends at Apaleo every two weeks. We would love to see your support by also telling your friends all about the show. Tune in next time to hear an Apaleo founder chatting with the one and only Ideas, Klaus Kohlmeier. Trust me, this will really get your revenue going. Until next time, ciao my friends.